listen to me. There's some of you that have a hard time professing the name of Jesus Christ publicly because you know you're going to be humiliated. Ladies and gentlemen, you better face humiliation now because one day you're going to have to stand up for who you're serving. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. AZ.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. This morning I'm starting a brand new series. And I've titled the series, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? I want you to hear this. See if I take you back in some memories. And then we'll talk about it. I can think of younger days When living for my life Was everything a man could want to do I could never see tomorrow I was never told about the sorrows And how can you mend the broken hearts? How can you stop the rain from falling down?
How can you stop the rain from falling down? How can you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go round? And how can you mend this broken man? How can a loser ever win? Next week, I'm going to teach you how to turn bitterness into happiness. God teaches us how to do that. So I encourage you, do not miss a single Sunday because this series could very well transform your life. It was April in 1865. There was a horrible, horrible tragedy that happened in our state's capital. William Stewart laid in the hospital bed, physically crippled, emotionally drained, because a man named Louis Payne had stabbed him repeatedly, leaving him on the brink of death. Crippled emotionally, physically, in every capacity, and to top it all off, he has not yet been told that possibly his best friend has been murdered. President Abraham Lincoln was dead. Wanting to get a better view of the trees because he knew it was springtime and he knew the trees would be blooming, he asked the nurses to move his bed closer to the window. As he gazed out across the beautiful life outside his interior world, he spotted the flag and he noticed it was at half-staff. Immediately, knowing the devastation that had happened, his mind raced, knowing exactly and out loud with the pain and suffering of only somebody in the deepest lament could express, William Stewart cried out, the president is dead. The nurses, the staff all tried to deny it. But William Stewart knew his friend was gone, and he was overwhelmed with the grief for President Lincoln, and listen to this, began to cry uncontrollably, shaking vehemently, weeping until the bandages were soaked with his tears and drenched in his own blood. A pretty dramatic picture, isn't it? But can I tell you something? There's people in the church the same way. They have been hurt so badly. They have been wounded so desperately by those they call friends. Now, remember, I'm talking about Christians. Those friends would be other Christians. Some of you, even though I make, as I make this statement, your mind is racing to that event, that situation, that circumstance, that wound that you still carry. This is what I call the picture of the brokenhearted. Somebody that seems to be beyond hope. Yet, ladies and gentlemen, we have one that stands above hope. And his name is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? 
I want to take you into a passage of scripture for the next few minutes that talks about a woman in such travesty, in such mental, emotional, and social despair that you truly could see a person of brokenness, a person of being crushed. Mark chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, it's on the screen. But I always encourage you, bring your Bibles, folks. That's why, this way you know where to find these passages. Bring them, look at them, read them. Mark 5, there's a woman in the crowd that had suffered for 12 years of constant bleeding. Now look at that number there, 12 years. She had suffered a great deal by many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had and had gotten no better. In fact, the scripture says she had gotten only worse. And in your notes, I want you to underline this, please. Then she heard about Jesus. This is imperative, ladies and gentlemen, because if we're ever going to have a broken heart healed, we have to find the healer of the broken heart. She heard of Jesus. She came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. And she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Look at this. This shows the a picture of devastation. This shows a picture of somebody that was in a place where she thought there was no other place to go. She could barely bring herself. But she said, if I could just touch him. Look what it says. Immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body she had been healed of the terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the healing power that had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? His disciples said, Lord, can't you see the, the crowd? You're getting pressed on every side. How can you ask who touched you? The question should be, who hasn't? But listen to what Jesus said. He looked around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling and realizing what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, I want you to grab this. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I left this in your notes because I want you to see it. This woman's life was in such shambles by her physical condition. I'll expound on that in a moment. Because this morning, I want you to see how Jesus brings healing to her in more ways than one. And how Jesus today wants to and can, but needs you in order to heal that broken heart. Number one in your notes, life sometimes seems like it's beyond repair. How many have gone through things and you say, what's the use? What's the use even trying anymore? What's the use even trying to get out of bed? See, this is what they call clinical, uh, um, not despair, uh, depression. Thank you. But I think clinical depression has a healing to it. But there is only one. And as I get into this morning's message and the course of this next few weeks, if you will let him, not me, not a victorious life, not the pastor, not the people, not the staff, if you will let Jesus, he'll not only heal you physically, 
He will heal you mentally and emotionally because it all starts spiritually. Are you with me? Can you ever imagine, or can you even, in your notes, imagine how miserable this life's woman had become? In the worst of it, I am not sure that any of us could even remotely identify with not only her physical struggles, but listen to this, also her shame. She was living under a law that says when you are in this condition, you cannot be around anybody. Now think about it. I told you to pay attention that 12 years. People didn't live as long back then as they do now. This potentially could have been a third of her life that she was incurably ill. Yet, as I've said, it's not just the physical she was dealing with. Due to society and culture, she was battling an embarrassing affliction that had completely ostracized her from everyone she knew. Think about this. She could not be with her family. It was against the law. The ceremonial law. She was ceremonially unclean. She could not be with friends. Because she was considered unclean. Look what the scripture says. No one was allowed to touch her, to keep company with her, or even speak to her. Because of this illness. And you and I think we have it bad. This woman literally was alone. So she thought. Are you with me so far? You see, the law called her to be cast out of the city until she was clean. Say, Pastor, she had no one? Yeah, she had somebody. The lepers. They were the only ones that she could hang out with. You know why? They were unclean too. The problem is she didn't want leprosy. So she couldn't hang too close with them. But I want you to see this. Even the temple was off limits. Take in your notes there, and above temple, write the word church. She couldn't even go to church because she was unclean. The minute she entered, she would have defiled it. So it seemed that even God was out of reach. Am I making any sense this morning? You see the picture of this woman's life? Now, I do want to, there's a typo in your notes. Uh, Bob was going through the notes and he called me. He said, Pastor, did you mean it this way? I said, no, that's a typo. So in your notes, it says, even God's, plural. Scratch that off. That was a typo. It's not God's. It's only one God. Even God seemed out of reach. Now, folks, listen to me. If you think you can't even turn to God, what kind of, semblance of hope do you have? Some of you are sitting there thinking, I know because I've felt that before. I've felt that before. She was an outcast. Listen, in the middle of outcast, no one to turn to, no one to share her sorrow with, no one to help her in any way, completely alone in her misery and her affliction. Let me ask you, 
Maybe you've been in this story. Maybe you felt that way. Maybe you've gone through a situation, a circumstance, a time in your life where you have felt like this. I'm watching people with their heads, yes. I, I know. Maybe you're there right now. Folks, I know the healer of broken hearts. I know him personally. You say, well, I know him too. You may know him here, but this is where the battle is, which is why it's so hard to get him from your head to your heart. And it's that heart that has to be healed. The head's going to mess you up all the time. But just wait till he gets to your heart. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Not everyone has been in the burdensome physical sickness she's been in, but some of us. But maybe this morning you're carrying a spiritual illness. Say, Pastor, what is a spiritual illness? You've been hurt by other people of God. You've been betrayed right inside the church or possibly by family, by friends. There's some kind of bitterness that has risen up in you that keeps you brokenhearted. Listen to this. Keeps you brokenhearted and separated from your family, your friends, and more importantly, because bitterness has a way of strangling life completely out of you, it separates you from God. And that is the greatest misery, isn't it? Let me give you a definition of something God did years ago. I was preaching on bitterness many, many years ago. And I used the word miserable. Because you know, bitter people are usually miserable people. And God began to speak to me as God does. He speaks to me real simple. I'm a simple guy. So he, he speaks to me, you know, kind of simply. I remember years ago, that beautiful song by William and, and Gloria Gaither, he touched me. You know, I, I, sometimes God has to reach down with the two before and slap me upside the head. Boom, he touched me just to get my attention. I know that doesn't affect anybody in here, just me. Nobody else like that. But I'm, I'm, I'm putting this message together. And I'm using the word miserable. And I've used it two or three times. And God said, do you know what it means? He said, yeah, miserable means you're miserable. He said, think about it. I said, miserable, okay. It says, he starts to define it. He said, it means you refuse to let go of something. You become miserable because you choose to keep something. And then he said, what is the root of miserable? Miser. A miserable person is somebody that hoards misery. They won't let it go. You say, well, pastor, how do they let it go? They won't face it. They just want to talk about it. See, God wants to heal broken hearts. But the first thing we got to do is stop letting somebody else manipulate our heart. And they manipulate our heart by working in our thoughts and our minds. Our emotions, our pains, our hurts, our sorrows. Am I making sense today? See, this lady's shoes at many times might have been worn by you, worn by me. 
And there's been times in my life I thought there was no relief. But God said, if you will cast all your cares on me, I will show you. Let me take you back to the word of God, Psalm 34. And I want to expound upon this passage for just a moment. The Bible says the Lord is close to who? It's not a trick question. It's in your notes. I gave you the answer. The Lord is close to? Listen to this. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You say, well, that's the same thing. Nope, two different things. Let me expound upon it. You see, I believe this lady fit in both categories. She was brokenhearted. What does that literally mean? It means everything she believed wasn't as she desired. She thought life was supposed to be different. She thought her, 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 her love, her relationships, everything about it, even God was supposed to be different. This is what causes a broken heart. When you look at everything you believed and all of a sudden it isn't what you thought it was going to be. And then the Bible says she had a crushed spirit. But God said, I heal the brokenhearted and I rescue those with a crushed spirit. What does it mean to have a crushed spirit? It means there is no hope outside of Christ. That's what a crushed spirit is. Sadly, though Christ is the only one that can save us, that can help us. What this passage is literally saying is God is the only one who can save us from ourselves. A broken-hearted, crushed person is an inside job. Oh, it's done by outside means. But it's something that the enemy keeps beating us with over and over. And then we begin to internalize things. Though this is not talking about that, how many ever had a relationship that went south? Broke your heart. But did you ever notice that just as soon as somebody else came along, that heart was certainly healed? Don't get quiet on me. Just as soon as that other guy or that other girl came on the scene, that broken heart didn't hurt anymore, did it? Now let me take it to what it means. That heart remains broken. That spirit remains crushed until you replace what happened with something else. Oh, I love it. When I first started pastoring back in Tyler, Texas, we had steel chairs in the whole building. That's, all, that's what we started with, steel chairs. I used to tell people I'm preaching to the steel family. Steel chairs. And I kind of miss those steel chairs. I've often thought about getting rid of these nice and comfy chairs and putting steel chairs in here. You know why? I could always tell the people that God was dealing with the most because their chairs were shiny. They were rubbing around on the chair. And it just shi- It glistened. And today, in these little statements I'm making, God is challenging and saying, are you ready to do something? Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 in in fulfilling prophecy of, of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
Now, I want you to underline this next phrase. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. There's more to it, but that's where I want to stop. Why? Because the brokenhearted and the captives are the brokenhearted and the crushed. They have internalized what has happened externally. Number two in your notes, listen, God is still the great physician. Think about this woman. Think about her for just a second. And I want you to circle these two words in your notes in letter A of number two. I want you to circle the words great faith. And then I want you to circle the word determination. It's in your notes. Think of the great faith and determination of this woman. Because ladies and gentlemen, you cannot have great faith without determination. And if your faith will ever become great, you've got to be determined. Because there's the physical we have to get through to deal with the emotional, social, and uh, 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 mental. Thank you. She did, think about this, what she knew she was not allowed to do. She was unclean. She was outcast. She is told, you cannot go in people. There's some of you that God has been saying, you got to get to church. you got to build a relationship with Christians. you got to start reading your Bible. You start, and the devil always gives you reasons why you can't do that and tries to keep you away from it. Why? Because he knows the moment you start building those things, other things start tearing down. And he doesn't want to lose that. Am I making any sense today? She was told she couldn't go to the crowd, but she went to the crowd anyway, though she didn't belong. Now listen to this. She knew that she would face public humiliation. Look at me for just a second. Listen to me. There's some of you that have a hard time professing the name of Jesus Christ publicly because you know you're going to be humiliated. Ladies and gentlemen, you better face humiliation now because one day you're going to have to stand up for who you're serving. There's people, we believe in the rapture at this church. After the rapture, the Bible talks about a tribulation period. During that tribulation period, it's not going to be as smooth as it is on this side. On that side, you denounce Christ or you die. Well, what happens if I profess Christ? You die. I think I would rather be caught up than cut up. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that in there. That's what the word rapture means, to be caught up. She knew she'd face public humiliation. The crowd would shout, unclean, unclean. But look at this in your notes, and please underline this, this phrase. Yet she knew she had to press through. There's some of us, God's been trying to work with that heart. He's been trying to work with that spirit. But we are just so weak and so, so timid that we are no longer wanting to even press for you. What's the use? Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll just lift your eyes a little bit, you will see the promise overcome the problem every single time. But we've got to rise up. Now look at her. She went everywhere else for help, but she didn't find any. 
All of her money was gone. And the Bible says that she was worse off than she was. Well, let me take you to the word of God. Mark 10 says, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Let me take you to another place. Luke 1 says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let me take you to another place. Luke 18 says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Maybe where you're at, you see it's like it's an impossibility. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we serve the God of the impossible. And he said, I will take those things that are not, and I will change them to become as they are. He said, I'll speak to that mountain in your life, and I'll cause it to be removed. He said, I'll take you from being down, and you'll no longer be under. You will be over. Can somebody shout amen? in the house the Bible says she was in the middle of the crowd still she pushed her way because she said I know I got to touch Jesus I know there's a man she'd only heard he performed miracles and she found that he was just the miracle he needed Look at this in your notes. She pushed, she strained through the press to touch Jesus. Look at that. She pressed on. She pressed on. Underline this in your notes, please. It didn't matter what other people did. It didn't matter what other people said. All that mattered is what she knew. She had to touch Jesus. That's all that mattered in her heart. And in doing so, everything else let her down. But the Bible says by faith she received her miracle. I want to take you to a passage of scripture that needs to be every Christian's memory verse. Needs to be every Christian's hope. Needs to be every minister's substance of grace. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary. And doing what is good. For in due season, you will reap. Listen, if you don't lose heart. The devil is always battling your heart. He is always assaulting your mind. You see, this right here is where the unexpected happens. When you're willing to press through, regardless of what anybody says or does, you're willing to take it to the next level. This is where the unexpected happens. This is where breakthroughs come. This is where breakdowns are restored and broken hearts are mended. The Bible says that they stopped in the crowd. This woman's trying to be incognito. She knows the minute she's found out, she's going to be cast out. She's trying to be hiding. And the Bible says that Jesus looked around. In the original language... And we find it in the King James, the New King James, it says it more clearly. The Bible says that Jesus looked around to see her who had done this. You see, Jesus already knows where you are. He's just waiting for you to press in. He's just waiting for you to stand up. He's just waiting for you to break out. He's just waiting. He already knows where you've been. He knows where you're at. The Bible says in the 32nd verse of Mark, he looked to see her who had done this. Jesus is always watching and waiting for us to cry out. 
Stop trying everything out and reach out to him who can help us climb out of this rut that we are in. She knew there was no place else she could go. Lastly, the Bible says Jesus came to heal the broken heart. Let me tell you right now, psychology will not help you. Psychiatry will not help you. Jesus Christ is the only one who can help you. He says in the book of John, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let me break that down for just a moment. When you own a house or you have a mortgage on a house, you know what you have? You have a deed of ownership. Are you with me? Who the Son sets free is free, listen, indeed. His ownership has changed. You used to be owned by your father, the devil. Oh, that's not me. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. Whoever is not of Christ is of the devil is never my father. Before we became Christ, me too. But guess what happened? Who the son sets free. I said, who the son sets free. Come on, somebody. Who the son sets free. That ownership has changed. And the devil got no more power over you. Can somebody say amen? Because now you got a new daddy. A little exciting. There is so much more at stake with her than her physical condition, her mental, emotional, and social condition. Shame, humility, rejection. Nobody could even come near her. Mark 5 tells us the frightened woman. Do you know why she was frightened? She knew she was going to be exposed. She knew something had happened and now she's going to have to stand up and declare what has happened. Ladies and gentlemen, at your job, if somebody notices there's something different about you, don't beat around the bush. Don't hem-haw. Don't circumvent. Don't backstep and try to go around here. Just come out and say, is Jesus the reason I'm different today? Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted. The Bible says she fell down before him. You know what she was doing? She was standing in front of God and everybody and saying, it is me. And look what Jesus says. Your faith has made you whole. Don't be tormented anymore. Don't be frustrated. Go in peace. And in doing this, he not only healed her body, but he also healed her heart. He re Redeemed her. Let me break that word down. To re means to take back to what once existed. Deem is what we call another word for value or worth. When you 
deem something important, that means you put great value on it. You know what Jesus did? He revalued her. What the world said was worth less, he put worth more. He said, what you are, you are no longer going to be what I created you to be. I am going to make you be. Rise up and in peace be healed. He returned her worth that the world, society, disease, and heartbreak has stolen away. Let me take you back to Jesus at Calvary in Isaiah 53. It says he was despised and rejected. Do you know why? That you no longer have to be despised and rejected. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows. Do you know why? That you would never have to be broken again. He said he was acquainted with deepest grief. You know why? So you don't have to have a crushed spirit. That inside you find no value at all. We turned our backs. Listen to this. But we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. We ignored what he did when he was the only hope that we possibly have. Look what it says here. He was despised and we did not care. Why? Because society today is just like society then. It's all about us, ladies and gentlemen. Yet it was our sicknesses. That word sicknesses comes from the same word they got brokenness from. It was our brokenness he carried. It was our diseases or the crushedness of our spirits that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. Because of his own sins. But listen to what it says. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped that we could be healed. All of our sins are transgressed. Excuse me. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet God took the sins of all and laid it on him. This morning, Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus wants to set the captive free. People say, well, pastor, I've tried everything. I've tried church. Let me ask you something. Don't you think it's time to try Jesus? Because sometimes the two are not the same. I've been to church where I don't think Jesus was within a mile of it. I want to take you to Matthew 11, and I'm going to read that out two different versions. The NLT says, Come to me, all that weary and heavy laden, carry heavy burdens. I want to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and I want to give you rest for your souls, that place of brokenness, that place of being crushed. And look what he says. My yoke is easy to bear. See, God never said that life's going to be easy, but he said my yoke is easy. The world's yoke is not. My yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Now I want to take you out of Eugene Peterson's translation. It's not really a translation. It's more an exposition of the Bible. Very good at times. Other times I'm thinking. But I love the way that he did this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Look what he says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? 
Look at this. Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away from that life. And I'll help you recover your life. I'll show you how to have real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I'll do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay any heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And I'll teach you to learn to live freely and lightly. Ladies and gentlemen, brokenness, a broken heart is an inside job. And there's people in this room today, you're holding on to things that has caused your life to be miserable. Because you become a miser of pain and hurt, brokenness. And in that, you've allowed your spirit to be crushed. Don't get me wrong. Yes, they are to blame. But God says, what are you and I going to do about it? Today, I ask, will you allow Jesus to heal that broken heart? That you can live life anew again. It's a choice. You say, Pastor, what do I mean? And I want you to hear this. I told you I was going to make some some very strong statements today, and I've made a few, but this is going to be the hardest. There's a lot of people who are content to live their life just the way they are. Broken, crushed, less than. Some have determined that if it wasn't for bad luck, They'd have no luck at all. Jesus died that you could live. And in living, you could live an abundant life. Abundance does not mean you're going to have everything you want. But you're going to have the peace, the grace, the strength, the ability to stand against everything that comes against you. I want to, as the worship team comes, I want to ask you, are you willing to let God heal your broken heart? If you are, you say, Pastor, I, I, I don't know what to do. Well, the first thing is to let us pray for you. Let us join together with you. I've had many people over the years They've said, Pastor, you've got enough things to deal with. You don't need another. So I'm not going to bring my stuff to you. And you know what I tell those people? I don't tell them that. You know what I tell those people? I am what God gave you outside of Jesus himself. Now, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about another Christian, a mature man or woman. A pastor, somebody that will stand in the gap with you. That's what Jesus said. I've raised these up to help, to encourage. So I wonder this morning if God has spoken to you in this message. And you say, Pastor, that's me. 
it is time for my broken heart to be healed. For my crushed spirit to be lifted. For my hurt and pain to be cast onto the only one that can do something about it. If that's you, I would ask you, I would implore you, even so much as to beg of you, would you bring it to Jesus? Would you step out of your chair and come find a place at this altar? I don't want you to kneel. Why? Because I'm going to pray personally with you. I'm going to ask Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray, they'll come also. Some of our prayer team, they will come. But if this morning you say, Pastor, enough's enough. I've dealt with this long enough. I've got to be just like this woman and realize crawling, and if it's necessary, I'm going to bring, bring it to the feet of Jesus. If that's you, quickly, before we change the order of this service, I ask you to come. God wants to set the captive free. He wants to set the captive free. Would you come? Would you come? As the music begins softly, singing begins softly, just come. I don't want you to kneel down. I want you to stand. Pastor Ray, Pastor Philemon, my wife, Beverly, Jane, would you come? I don't want you to kneel down. I want you to stand. There's a lot more people in this place. As I'm preaching this message, God is saying, this is the place where I want to set people free. I don't want people visiting. I don't want anybody visiting. I want people praying. Why? This is time that broken hearts are becoming mended. This is time where crushed spirits are being lifted. So I want people to pray. Just right where you're at, just pray. People are coming. People are coming. Watch what God wants to do. Watch the promise of God. Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray, I need you guys to get in front up here on the platform. Pastor Philemon. We're going to pray. Honey, up on the platform, would you please? We're going to be praying for people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Rescue for sin. Thank you, Jesus. We need our altar team to come. Some of our altar team to come. Ransom from Father, in Jesus' name. still coming. People are still coming. We're singing softly. You need to get out of your chair. Today is your day. You need to come. The Bible says cast all your cares. Pastor Philemon, would you come up here please? Would you come up here and just start laying hands on people, praying for people, would you please? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. The rest of the church, would you be singing and praying with us? As Jacob leads us this morning, let's just, let's just go before God. Follow me, Jesus. Jesus, Messiah. I thank you, Father. Rescue for God, for your peace, your healing, 
your help. Ransom from heaven. The restoration, God, that only you can give. The fulfillment Jesus that only you can establish. Anita. Anita. I mean, Natalie. Get up here. Anita. Come pray. I don't want anybody after we're done praying, do not sit down. Do not leave this altar, okay? Folks, just keep praying, will you please? That we might become His righteousness. Help us. So Everybody that's in the altar, everybody that's in the congregation. Ladies and gentlemen, God give, has given me this series specifically for a time as this. We are coming into a season in this world like we haven't seen before. And we have to be strong in Him and the power of His might. And I want everybody, everybody stop praying now and I want you to listen to me. People in the altars, I want you to listen to me. People in the congregation. God specifically gave me this series because He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to lift those who are crushed. Okay? It may be other Christians that did it. 
It may be the church that did it. It may be a pastor that did it. It may be somebody else in Christendom. But it wasn't God. It wasn't Jesus. And that's what the enemy tries to separate you from. That's why he tries to keep you out of church. He tries to keep you out of prayer. He tries to keep you out of the Word of God. Why? Because if it's, if it's the church, well, who is the church? Well, it's Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't do it. Man did it. Are you okay? And this is where we have to come to grips with. Now look at me. Everybody in the altars, I want you to look at me. Look, Everybody over here, over here, look at me. You have pressed in today. You say, well, pastor, I, I, I didn't. Yes, you stepped past humiliation. Why? Because the minute you stepped out of your chair, you had the opportunity for people to say, well, what is going on with them? I mean, they're this, they're that, they're the other thing. But you didn't care. All you cared is about what Jesus said, didn't you? Okay? And that's what you did. Come on, give him praise, church. You press back, you press through that. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, you press through that. You said, I don't care if I'm supposed to be here or not. By God's grace, I'm going to be here. And so you did that. The minute you walk away, the devil's going to lie to you and say, you see, it didn't make a difference. This is where what the woman did is what you have to do. When that lie comes up, that's where you rise up and say, yes, it did make a difference, devil. You shut up. Okay? If somebody, listen to me, there's even other Christians that will say, well, you see, it didn't make any difference, did it? You tell them, shut up, devil. Well, that's not biblical. Well, I think that's what Jesus told Peter. Get behind me, devil. Well, <laughs> Jesus didn't call him. That's right. That's not who you're telling. You're telling the devil that is using them to speak. To shut up. Why? Because what did Jesus do? He just took your broken heart and he said, now it's in my hand. Look at me. For the first time, you've actually put it into the hands that can do something with it. For the first time, you've actually put it into the hands of the one. As much as I love you, I can only do so many things. I can't heal broken hearts, but I know the one that does heal the broken heart. And once you press in, And after you press in, you say, okay, God, I by faith know you have touched me. There ain't no devil in hell going to stop me again. Am I making sense? Okay. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. And when you've done all you can do to stand, stand. And the first thing he says, by putting on the helmet of faith, You know that helmet of faith is? It's the confidence and assurity of knowing he's done it all, so I just stand in what he has done. That's my confidence. That's my assurity. That's my security. (coughs) Are you with me? How many believe God met you this morning? 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.